good morning. Stand with us this morning as we open in worship. We sing a new song that talks about the old ways, the old church choir. Sing it, JJ. Yeah. There's revival and it's spreading like a wildfire in my heart. Sunday morning, hallelujah, and it's lasting all week long. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? It's a rhythm of a gospel song. Once you choose it, you can't lose it. There ain't nothing, there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. I got an old church choir singing in my soul. I got a sweet salvation and it's beautiful. I got a heart overflowing cause I've been restored. There ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. There ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. When the valleys that I wander turn to mountains that I can't climb. Oh, you are with me, never leave me. Cause there ain't nothing, there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. I got an old church choir singing in my soul. Amen. Thank you, worship team, for that. There's nothing going to steal our joy because our joy is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. So good to have you this morning here in worship at Sunset Hills Baptist Church. If you're joining us on our live stream, we're so glad that you've chosen to join in and worship with us. The, uh, as you all can see, the stage looks a little bit different this morning. We've got a few extra uh, worship elements uh, on here on stage. Preparing for VBS this week. We're going to have a great time. It's not too late to sign up. If you want to help, come see me today. We'd love to uh, throw you into the team. And let's continue to worship our Lord. If you're a guest this morning, you're joining us, we'd love to get to know you more as well. Please stop by our welcome desk on the way out, and one of our people will get to know you better so we can know how to serve your family. Let's worship the Lord this morning. The greatest day in history 
that Jesus is Lord. Lord, I just pray that we're not guilty of, of trying to build our own kingdoms here on this earth, but God, we're all about doing the Father's business. Lord, we thank you for that beautiful name of Jesus, and it's in his precious name that we pray this morning. Amen. You may be seated today. 
And good morning, Sunset Hills. It's so good to see you here worshiping with us here on campus. And if you're joining by a live stream, thank you for joining in as well. Uh, I feel like this morning with all of this construction stuff around, there's a lot of symbolism that I'm not quite sure of. Like, is this here to keep me from falling off the stage this morning? Or my, should I be wearing my hard hat here this morning with what I, while I preach or all of that? But it is going to be an exciting week. Uh, with Vacation Bible School going on. How many of you participated in Vacation Bible School before you were the age of, say, 10 years old? Look at the hands up just about everywhere, you know? And so it's really, I hope it's one of those really great memories that you have from your childhood. And likewise, I hope that you're praying that it will be great memories for the, the kids who will be participating and the workers who will be with them to uh, bring the name of Jesus before them and something that they will remember. Uh, my mind goes back to those days in Brush Creek, which I can remember the first vacation Bible school uh, there. And, and we had ours at, at nighttime, just like we do here. And in our little town of Brush Creek, I don't know, Judy, if you remember this or not, but we would have a parade. You don't remember that? You've gotten too old for that. That's the problem there. But we would have a parade, and it wouldn't be much of a parade. Everybody would just get in their cars and go down the street. It took all of like 35 seconds and waving out the, uh, blowing their horns and waving out the car windows. From time to time, I get to thinking about all the people that I have met in my life. Uh, has anyone else ever done that? Like, have you ever just sat down sometime and you think, okay, uh, how many people really, truly do I know or have I met in my lifetime? Uh, if you've wondered that about some, at some point in time, you thought, I wish I could remember all those names. Would you, would you join me? Raise your hand. Yeah, there, there's a few of us who've done that. Uh, I have no idea of the number of people that I have met. I'm a little loud up here in the monitors, I think, so pull me down just a bit. Thank you. I, I certainly have met far more than what I remember. There are times when, uh, when I do rem uh, meet someone and that I've met, and it's really bad. Not bad from the standpoint that they're necessarily bad. It's more like, I mean, they tell me their name, we exchange pleasantries, and after about five minutes of meeting them, I, I can't remember their name. I mean, is there anybody else like that? Yeah? Man, you guys are a lot of absent-minded people. I mean... This is the crowd I'm speaking to this morning. I mean, so the, how many of you met in your lifetime? Does anybody know exactly what the count is? And just bring me up just a little bit more. We went just from one end to the other, okay? Uh, Ask.com says the average American will meet about, get, to, get this, 10,000 people in their lifetime. Let's say that you're average. Can you call or can you name all 10,000 of the people that you've met? Chances are, no, you can't. Neither can I. Uh, but let, let's just say that, um, well, you say, well, okay, well, it's 10,000 people over your lifetime. I haven't lived out my lifetime yet, and so let's just make it easier that uh, you've still got maybe half your lifetime, so you've still got 5,000 to go. 
Okay, so that should be making you feel pretty good. Can you name the 5,000? Well, that just took that away, didn't it? No, you can't name the 5,000. You can't probably, I'm just wondering, maybe can you name 1,000? I mean, if you just sat down and started making a list, could you recall 1,000 people that you've met? Uh, let's say you could do that. You think you could do it, Kelly? You don't know if you can name 10. Well, let me just take the 10, okay? 10 people that you could name, okay? I know that'd be a stretch, but for 10 people, how many people really could you call your friend, okay, of those 10? I'm talking about really call them a friend. I mean, when you stop and think about it, I mean, we're more connected today than we ever have been, right? I, I looked up how many Facebook friends I have. I have 1,666. That's how many I have, okay? But they're not really my friends, right? I mean, really more like uh, maybe, I don't know, 1,663 are acquaintances. Well, that means I would have three friends, right? Actually, I hope I have more than that. I, I feel like probably I have a few more, but most of my people that I might be followers on Twitter, uh, most of those people that are on Facebook, they're not really your friends for sure, right? Can I, can, are you with me? Is that not true? I mean, because when we think of a friend, we think of someone who we can count on, someone that you can call at any time, someone that you can get this. Now, maybe this is going to narrow yours 10 down. Someone that you can trust with your secrets, you know, uh, and, and ours. Not just, I'm not just going to pick on Kelly. Well, maybe I will for a while, but, you know, it's someone that, that we can trust with everything that we would have know, that we know about ourselves. Someone that will be through, there for us through everything. And when we think of a friend, we think of someone who has our back. Uh, someone who's willing to feed you if you're hungry, for instance. Someone who can tell you, oh, watch this one, that you're wrong and still love you. Someone who will stand by you they won't stand by while others are bad-mouthing you and not speak up for you. That's a friend. Someone who will, who, who will stand in the gap for you. I mean, those are the type of friends that we want. So if we were to place those parameters around what a true friend is, we would have really a lot fewer friends, certainly fewer than the 10,000 that we will meet in our lifetime. My dad used to say that you could count on your real friends, the really close on one hand, five or less, that you could really count on. I would like to think that I have more than just five close friends. And when I identify that, certainly I hope that's the case. At any rate, I feel like I have a lot of friends here in this room this morning. I, I did this a few years ago, and I thought it was kind of interesting. So let's do it again, because here's one of the things that really I cherish. I love the fact that I have the, the privilege of having this long relationship with our church. 
and that I have known some of you all for a long time. So let's just kind of see this. Let's kind of watch this and see. If you've known me at least five years or more, at least five years or more, would you please stand? Everybody that's known me five years or more, would you please stand? Now just hang in there with me. It's going to stay with me. Okay, here we go. I, I, I guess that would qualify for a lot of you folks that have known me for five years. And I, I hope that you consider me your friend, and I hope that I can consider you my friend, okay? If not, just humor me, okay? <laughs> All right, let's try this. If you know me for at least 10 years, stay sit standing. The rest of you, sit down. So 10 years, all right, these are my, these are my 10 plus year friends right here, all right? So, uh, all right, let's keep going. If you've known me for at least 15 years, and that goes back to, I'll give you a year here to help you out, that goes back to 2007. If you've known me since 2007, uh, you stay standing and everybody else sit down, okay? I mean, in 2007, we were still, we were, actually, we were on almost our last Sunday in the old building, so that's how far that goes back, okay? So, hey, not many of us, there's a few, all right? So, you're still with me, okay? Let's see. Uh, it really, I just, can you believe it's been 15 years since we started our transition to Nolensville? I mean, it just seems like it's just gone, in some ways, like, really fast. In other ways, like, seems like it's been a lifetime, all right? Uh, so here we go. You, all right, so I would think all of you know me pretty well that are still standing. So hang in there with me. Uh, let's go another few, five years. If you have known me for 20 years or more, stay standing. The rest of you sit down. 20 years or more. Well, nobody sat down on that one. All right, I'm really considering you my really close friends here. All right, so let's go, all right, let's, let's go that, to this one, 30 years. If our friendship goes back 30 years, that's back to 1992, Emily was four months old at that time, all right? That's how far back it goes. She now has two of her own children, all right? So uh, if you've known me, that long, you have known me more than Emily remembers. Okay, here we go. Here, we're going to take a big jump here. If you've known me at least 40 years, that goes back to 1982. I would have been out of high school uh, just about, a, uh, uh, well, let's say out of college for one year. All right, back to 1982. All right, so I still got quite a few folks standing. All right, here we go. Uh, if you got to know me when our family moved to, from Nash, from, to Nashville from Cookville, would you please stand? That goes back to 1972. 1972. Look at this. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of you. All right? I mean, come on now. You are my really, really good friends here, right? Okay, here we go. Uh, I, I just want to show you... Exactly what year that was. Okay, we have this picture. There we go. Okay, this was when we moved to Nashville. You see that red-headed guy in the in the center of the the front row there? That's how I looked in 1972. How do you like that hair? You know, if I, I actually during COVID it was beginning to do that very thing. <laughs> it would still do it if I let it get that long. Yeah? And every now and then you'll see a little bit of that flip going on. Yeah. So that, that's, that goes back to that year. I mean, that, that was our Camp Mac staff. 
uh, in our day camp that we had. And there's, a, in fact, uh, there are several people that, that are here that would recognize many of those people in that picture there. All right, so here we go. All right, so let's go one more. Uh, if you've known me at least 50 years, 50 years, would you please stand? Everybody else sit down. You can't remember. Let me help you out. You didn't know me 50 years ago. Okay. Hey, are you sure you remembered me 10 years ago? <laughs> one person. One person is still standing. Where's two? No, Gary, we only go back to 49 years. Actually, it'll be 50 years in November. Okay, we're not quite there. He was close, and there were others that were close, but 50 years, it won't be 50 years until November of this year that we came to, to Radnor. Judy Blankenship. Judy has known me for, guess what? 60 years. 60 years. I was only four when Judy and me became friends. Can you believe that? How cool is that? This, this, this lady right here used to babysit me and my brothers, okay? In fact, when my youngest brother was born, when Mike was born, we stayed at her parents' house while my mom and dad were at the hospital in Gallatin with Mike. Can you believe that? Isn't that cool? So Judy, she's been my friend longer than anybody else. I mean, Judy knows, has known me longer than my wife has known me. Now, think, figure that one out. I, mean, that, I think, Judy, I, I really, would you consider me your friend? Okay, now I'm going to test it here. Can I count on you to be there for me? Right? Yes? Did I hear a yes? Okay. Uh, I, will you vouch for me if we had to go to court of law? Would you do that? You would do that. Okay. Uh, if I needed money, would you loan it to me? You used to babysit me. When you were in like uh, upper school in Brush Creek, which was like, like seventh and eighth grade, you used to come into the classroom and pull me out and I would sit with you in Mr. Ash's class. Don't you remember that? And you won't loan me money? Well, then I guess I shouldn't have to worry about answering this, answering this question in the affirmative. Would you lay down your life for me? Oh, you would do that. Oh, yes, no, what? <laughs> you mean you would die for me, but you wouldn't loan me money? <laughs> You're not sure about that one. I'm not sure about that one either. You can sit down. Thank you. Give Judy a hand for putting up with me. For... Isn't it, I, don't, I don't know. I'm just going to say it. I think it's really cool that that there is this 60-year relationship going on within our church. Isn't that cool? I think it is really cool. But I, And I appreciate the friendship, not only with Judy, but with her family through the years, and so many of you who have been my friends. But really, here's the deal. Probably very few of you, if any of you, would lay down your life for me, would give that the test of friendship that you would pass that test, or maybe I would pass that test in being a really close friend with you, but I do have a friend who did that, and his name is Jesus. 
He is my friend who laid down his life for me. Now, Jesus really identifies what true friendship looks like for us to be friends with him. If you go to John chapter 15, verse 14, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. So you want to know how? You want to know what the parameter is for being a friend of Jesus? It says right here, if you do what I command, if you follow his commands. He goes on to say, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. The relationship has changed. Here's a, here's a God who is sovereign through Jesus Christ who could say, you have to be my slave, but he says, no, 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 you're not that way anymore. You are my friend since I have told you everything the Father told me. I've shared this with you, and that changes your relationship with me. That gives you the ability to have this incredible friendship with me, Jesus. I mean, I think that's really interesting and cool. God wants to call you and me friend. Jesus wants us to have a close and trusted relationship with him. I shared this story once before. I want to share it again today uh, about a man who sought and found a friend that dramatically changed his life. More than a century ago, uh, on the streets of Port Hope, Ontario, a man could be seen walking around, and, and, and it kind of fits the theme of what we have up here. He would walk around the streets with a saw and a sawhorse. And there was good reason as to why he would do this, but one day a, a rich man spotted this man walking with his saw and his sawhorse, and he saw him across the street, and he says, Hey, 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 uh, buddy, you look like a sober man. I think I'll hire you to cut some wood for me. And the man who was, had the saw, horse, and the saw, he, uh, that his name was Joseph Scriven. I'll get it right in a minute. Joseph Scriven. And he said, uh, uh, he, he told another man that, uh, he said, uh, that man won't cut wood for you. He said, uh, he only cuts, cuts wood for those who have enough to pay, and you, my friend, are rich, so I don't think he'll cut Wood for you, and that sort of sums up this this Joseph Scriven's life. He was a, very much a devoted member of the Plymouth Brethren Church, who took the Sermon on the Mount very literally. Uh, he was born in 1819 in Ireland. His faith led him to do menial tasks for poor widows and the sick. So he, he often worked for no wages in the community, and he was highly, highly regarded by the community, but he was a bit odd, they said. And he came to be known, he had a nickname that he got, and his nickname became the Good Samaritan. And uh, he was known for his acts of kindness. Now, his mother, she lived a good distance away, and in 1855, he, uh, she became ill. Uh, Joseph didn't have the money to go and visit his mother, so instead he sat down one day and he wrote a poem, and he sent it to her as an encouragement. And years later, by accident, a friend was in his house. This was after he had passed away. Uh, his, he saw the original notes to this particular poem that, that Joseph had written to his mom. 
He called it, this was a title that, that, uh, that Joseph gave to this, he, he called it Pray Without Ceasing. And uh, he, as he found this, he, 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 well, this was before he passed away, he, he said, did you write the words to this, this friend asked Joseph, and Joseph said, well, to be honest with you, the Lord and I wrote this poem together. And this poem was so, this man was so moved by this poem, he was able to take it. Now, now Joseph never intended for this poem to be published, but it began to make its rounds through churches and, and different places. And eventually it was set to music in 1868 by Charles Converse, who entitled it, in a very familiar hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. From time to time, I enjoy hearing certain songs and hymns that are played in church, some that I've grown up with through the years. It's usually a hymn that I've sung in church most of my life. And there are times when those hymns really speak heavily to me and they come to my mind when I'm going through something I don't think it's by chance that those happen I believe it's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit who bring those songs or those hymns into my mind and when this happens I find great comfort often singing those hymns both aloud and in my mind sometimes I will post them on Facebook, and I'll share them. Usually I do it on a Thursday when I do it. On my mental playlist today, then I'll give the name of the hymn, and I'll go and find the lyrics and copy and paste them into Facebook. And quite often I get comments back uh, from people who say, man, I needed to hear that today, or thank you for sharing that. And this is one of those hymns. What a friend... We have in Jesus, or as Joseph Scriven described it, pray without ceasing. Listen to the power of the words. What a friend we have in Jesus. Watch this. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege. You get it? What a privilege to carry a few things to God in prayer. No. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. And then this one, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we not, do not carry everything to God in prayer. This is not a question all these words that have been written. This is a true statement that you can put an exclamation point at the end of. Can I just tell you that in my life, these words really have rung true? So in the next few minutes, I want to give you some really good reasons as to why this hymn, this, this that's entitled, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, why... We can trust Jesus to be a true and faithful friend 
Jesus is a true friend. First of all, because of the words that are in the hymn, all our sins and griefs to bear. So that's the first reason. Jesus bears our sin and our grief. In other words, he takes it on himself. It's the ultimate example of true friendship is that Jesus, he, he sets the standard with his own actions. He takes on our sin. He takes on our grief as if it's his very own. In, in Scripture of 1 Peter, it says this, he never sinned nor deceived anyone. This is this, this, this guilt-free Jesus who never sinned, never deceived, never did anything wrong. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threatened revenge when he was suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. And then verse 24, it says, he personally carried, carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right by his wounds. You are healed. Why can I count on Jesus to be a close and trusted friend? It's because he bore my sin. And he's there in my grief. And how did he do this? Here's the second reason why we can count him. He sacrificed his life for us. And when he got down to it, I mean, really and truly, how many of us would be willing to take a bullet for someone else? But here's Jesus, who in a sense did that, except it wasn't with a bullet, it was with the cross. He actually identifies how he does, how he would do this long before he does it. In John 15, 13, he says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. He says it. He goes on, even though we've all sinned, we fall short of God's glorious standard, Scripture says. Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of, sin, of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. The sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past, for he was looking ahead and including them, us, in what he would do in the present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just and makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. So here's Jesus setting this high standard of what friendship looks like and what he does for us. He comes to this earth with one purpose in mind, and that was to lay down his life for us and take on our sin. So all of our sins and griefs he bears. Here's, a, here's another good reason that Jesus is a true friend. Because we can go to him in prayer. And the hymn says it this way. What a privilege to carry 
everything to God in prayer. It's a powerful thing to know that we can go to Jesus in prayer. This is how the writer of Hebrews describes our relationship with Jesus. Since then, since we have a high priest who has entered into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. We've got this high priest. According to this verse, Jesus is the high priest. And what he's doing is, on our behalf, he's interceding as we're praying to him. He's interceding on our behalf. We have this advocate that is appearing before the God Almighty on your behalf. And he's pleading your case before him. Have you ever had to have a good lawyer to plead a case for you in court? I have. I have also been involved in cases where total trust had to go into that lawyer. He was going to plead the case. No opportunity necessarily to testify on one's behalf, but he would be the one that would be pleading the case. He must be brilliant in laying out the case. If we kind of picture that in our mind, that's what Jesus is doing on our behalf. He's brilliant in laying out the case before God. He is more than an attorney. He's the best friend. Now, look. All those attorneys, they weren't doing it because they considered me to be a friend. They were doing it because they wanted to get money, right? Jesus did it because he wasn't, but he wasn't getting anything in return. There was no gain for him. He did it just because he wanted to be my friend and yours. And get this, there is never a time that Jesus is not interceding on your behalf. That's a good friend. Scripture goes on to say this high priest of ours. Watch this one. This is a great verse here. If you're going through something right now, understand this verse. Hold dear to it. This high priest of ours understands our weakness. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Can I kind of paraphrase that? Yet he did not fail. He's gone through everything imaginable. He understands our weaknesses, and yet he was able to go through it. That's someone I can look through to. That's someone who can, that I can admire for what he did that should give me hope. I mean, here's how the words to the song said it. Have we trials and temptation? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who our sorrows with all, will all our sorrows share? Jesus, watch this, straight from Scripture. He knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. He's been where we find ourselves. Now let's just take some inventory about this. Of really who Jesus was and is and what he's shown, those emotions. Watch this. Jesus felt compassion. He, he became angry. He, he was indignant. He, he was... 
consumed with zeal. He was troubled. He was greatly distressed. He was very sorrowful, depressed, deeply moved and grieved. He sighed. He wept. He sobbed. He groaned. He was in agony. He was surprised and amazed. He rejoiced very greatly and was often full of joy. He greatly desired and he was loved. All these emotions that we feel, he felt them. As our high priest, Jesus understands all that we're going to go through. He experienced those same emotions. He was betrayed. He was rejected. He was ignored. He was punished when he did nothing wrong. He was scoffed at. He was beat up. He was bullied and called names. He was misunderstood. Yet he was also compassionate. He was celebrated. He was confided in. He was trusted. He was loved. He was respected and disrespected he was he is a mentor a teacher and a leader not an all-inclusive list of everything that that we feel but certainly anything that you want to add to that list Jesus has been there he is in touch with any emotion any dilemma any kind of position that we find ourselves and he's there for us all we have to do is the song says take it to the Lord in prayer watch this here's what we're told to do so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God there we will receive his mercy and will find grace to help us when we need it most is it beginning to kind of come together when those hymns that those words that bring solace and joy come together it's a holy spring spirit doing exactly what this this verse says is bringing finding grace to help us when we need it most we get to come boldly it vividly portrays how much god wants you to come to him it basically means it gives the idea of, uh, of frankness, forthrightness, being outspoken. God clearly wants us to bring what it is that we have going on and say, God, I've got this facing in my life. I bring it before you. Now do something about it. That's being bold. And when we come to that wonderful throne of grace, the Bible tells us, we find grace when we need it most. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. But here's the question. Do we? Do we? You know, that verse goes on to say, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. And here's the reason. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer think about it peace forfeited needless pain we bear when we fail to come boldly before God and pray here's another reason that Jesus is a good friend he bears our sin and grief he sacrificed his life for us we can go to him in prayer and in this one he never leaves us He's always there. Now, if I really could count on those 1,666 friends, 
I'd be a very wealthy man, right? I will tell you that of that 1,666 friends on Facebook, there have been some of those people that are quote-unquote Facebook friends I, they don't like me. I don't know why they ever asked to be my friend. And I'll be honest with you, there are some people who are my Facebook friends that I don't like either. Like, why are we Facebook friends? Probably because they're nosy and they want to know what's going on in my life, right? Yeah. I can also tell you that of those 1,666 friends, there have been some who have, well, let's just call it as it is, stabbed me in the back. Haven't stood up for me at various times. Left me, okay? But you know what? Jesus never will. You never have to worry about him doing those horrible things. He never leaves us. Here's what... The hymn says, Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee. If Jesus had Facebook friends, he would have been able to say, Yes. In real life, do your disciples despise, forsake thee? Yes. Here's what we're told to do in the hymn. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And here's what he does. Oh, here's the really cool part. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find solace there. Other are you, but Jesus never will. In the Great Commission, he tells us that. He will always be with us until the end of the world. He's not ever going to give up on us. Proverbs 18, 24 says, One who has reliable friends soon comes to ruin, but those there is a friend who sticks closer to, to, than a brother. No matter what we're facing, I, I feel like well, I'll bust out in that saying, You got a friend in me. Yeah. You got a friend in me. I don't know the rest of it, but let that sink in. Jesus is saying that. You can always trust me. I'm not going to leave you. And just as Moses was inst instructed Joshua on becoming a leader, we are assured of this. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you or abandon you. Well, there are so many reasons as to why Jesus is the best friend we could ever have in every trial, in every season of life. Every time there's a new phase in life, guess what? It's an opportunity to discover exactly how great a friend Jesus is. There's more to the story of Joseph Scriven. Getting to say goodbye to his dying mother was not the only heartbreak that he experienced. Keep in mind, this is the writer of this hymn who says, what a friend we have in Jesus. At age 25, being engaged to his childhood love, he was soon to take her hand in marriage. On the day before their wedding, 
Scriven's fiance was riding out to meet him on a horse. And he was riding to meet her on a horse, but as she was coming towards the, uh, a river, she got bucked off the horse and hit her head and falls into the river. And at age 25, she drowns. And Scriven ends up coming shortly thereafter. And he looks into the face of this woman that he was supposed to marry the very next day. He said, Whenever, I, wherever I look, Looked after that in Ireland, I was always reminded of the wonderful, um, wonderful life that I looked forward to that never, never occurred. Can you imagine how broken you'd feel being so close to marrying your best friend, and yet you had to bury her? Emotionally shattered by the death of his love, he turns to God for consolation and guidance. And he decides to leave Ireland in 1845. He was going to start his new life in Ontario, Canada, where he would spend the rest of his life. And to his surprise, he fell in love again and got engaged a second time. And all seemed to be going right in his life again. And finally, he was about to, happy that he was about to marry his new best friend. And yet, before he got married, his fiance got sick. And four months later, died of pneumonia. Once again, this man who writes, What a friend we have in Jesus, is heartbroken at the loss of the woman he loved. What would be all the odds of that happening twice? But he found strength, not in himself, but in turning to a God that he looked upon as his closest friend. And the next year is when he wrote that famous poem that became the hymn what a friend we have in Jesus he asked the question can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share boy doesn't that give new meaning to that hymn to those words Jesus knows our every weakness take it to the Lord in prayer have we trials and temptations, is there trouble anywhere? And he writes, we should never be discouraged. He had reason to be. But he was able to write those words because he was able to take it to the Lord in prayer. From time to time, there are hymns and songs. It just seemed to speak to us in the midst of struggle and heartache. And the Holy Spirit just kind of leads someone to pen some words or sing a song that just soothes your soul. Certainly, the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, is one of those. There's another one that is newer that the worship team does. Several months ago, they brought us this song that they're going to sing in just a moment. And this particular song, a newer song, I heard it on the radio for the first time. Actually, my wife had heard it before, and we have, you've heard it in our church before. But 
when I heard it on the radio, I think, I'm pretty sure this is the one, I caught Kelly and I said, hey, man, there's a great song that I want the worship team to learn, and Sandy would do a great job singing it. It's one of those songs that has taken on a new meaning. It's a beautiful song of encouragement. But this past week, it took on new meaning to the Hearn family. As you probably know by now, that Keegan, Keegan was diagnosed and had to have surgery because cancer is in his body. And as Sandy sings that song, hopefully she'll do better emotionally than I'm doing now. I guarantee you that the words of this song has taken on new meaning for the Hearn family as they come and sing it. Before we begin, I just... what the pastor preached on today which it is it is powerful prayer so we're going to approach it as that today we are going to approach it as prayer to our Jesus who has the ability to intercede always my husband is not the only one hurting today. My husband is not the only one sick today. So this is for every single ear. Jesus is already all up in your stuff. <laughs> and he knows. And so we're just going to call him to action today. In Jesus' name. If you need a special prayer this morning, the altar is open. Circum 
of our joys he stands with us in our sorrows he gives us confidence when we're strong and courage when we're weak this friendship this love of Jesus stronger than any fault that we may have. And I've heard it said this way, there's nothing that you can do that will make Jesus love you any less. He loves you with unconditional love, no strings attached. No bargains have to be made. He loves us all. All of us. The same. We're going to do something a little different. You may not feel comfortable doing this but I'm going to encourage you to step out of your comfort zone first I'm going to ask all of our deacons to come join me here in the altar all of our deacons come please now all the deacons mess around come on if you're out in the lobby come on deacons come on in here just kind of a The Bible tells us, James, that when we're sick, we're to call the elders of the church together. So anyone among you in trouble is not just sickness. Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer offered in faith would make the person, the sick person, well. And the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. If you're this morning and you're facing an illness, you're got some trouble in your life or you're just burdened with something guys I want you to step back and kind of make a 
circled around, folks. I'm going to invite you now to come to this altar. Stand, please. Anyone you got guts enough to say, hey, I'm not ashamed. I want the elders of the church to pray for me. Will you come? Come right now. You can kneel, you can sit, you can stand. I'm going to give you a moment. Anyone else? seriously it's a moment to really test the hymns of faith the words that have been inspired to be written the hymns of the church to see really and truly is there any truth to them is there any power in be obedient as to what we were instructed to do when there are those among us who are hurting, those among us who are sick, those among us who are dealing with situations or circumstances that we bring before you. And as Sandy saying, in the power of Jesus' name, we pray that those circumstances would change. As the elders or deacons of the church are gathered here, and they themselves are praying their own prayer, Father, now, you know the needs that exist from those who have said, hey, I want to be prayed for. I want to be surrounded by the elders of the church. I want to experience this friendship in Jesus in a new way. I want His power to come over me like no other time in my life. And I want Him to speak into my circumstances. Father, as we who are called to be the leaders of this church stand here before you in this altar, we proclaim confidence. We proclaim that this too shall be you'll do a mighty work a healing power thank you father 
privilege that we have to come to you in prayer. It will pass that needless pain because you find us obedient. Thanks for being a good God. Thanks for sending a Jesus, your son, to end this worth, to bear our sin, who continually is bearing our grief, and who presents it before you, our Heavenly Father, on our behalf, and intercedes so that you won't forget our need. We look forward to seeing what you would do in the lives of people. As we pray, believing that there is power in prayer, that we believe that there is power in calling the name of Jesus, and in his name, we ask these things to be accomplished. Amen. Let's sing that. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? is calling Have you come to the end of yourself Do you thirst for a drink from the well Jesus is calling Oh come to the altar the Father
Thank you, Pastor Kelly and worship team. Uh, we have VBS this week, folks. This is the Super Bowl of kids ministry. This is the big one. And we have a great team in place that's going to be here starting tonight at 6.30 and every night this week to tell kids about this good news that we've been singing about for the last hour and 15 about Jesus Christ. And if I, if I could uh, uh, brag on him just for a minute, actually brag on two of them just for a minute, I was talking to Keegan actually this past Wednesday night and he said, you know, Pastor Mike, uh, some things have changed um, uh, since the in initial um, talk. Uh, originally, Keegan was going to be uh, uh, helping out with VBS, but then, you know, things, things changed. But then he said things have changed again. And he said, hey, I want to I come back this week and I want to help out in whatever way I can. So let that be an encouragement to all of us that God can use us wherever we're at, whenever it is, whatever time, when we just have willing hearts. And Ethan, we're going to have the world premiere of a video produced and directed by our own Ethan Hearn, who's been making a video. One of the Bible stories that we're going to look at this week, he's making a video on that. So give him a round of applause. He's using his talents for the Lord. If you want to jump in, it's not too late. Come see me after this, uh, the service this morning. We have... We have uh, awesome games, uh, brutal games lined up. Not like Hunger Games, but brutal recreation games uh, lined up. We got world-class snacks. We got awesome fun crafts that reinforce the theme. We got all kinds of good things going on. Bible study leaders, as you saw, that have decked out these rooms. Some of them were uh, decorating until the wee hours of the morning, Wednesday night. And when I say wee hours, I mean 9.30 p.m. when you have kids, 7.30 is late. And they were decorating all night long, Please pray. We have prayer cards that we're going to be handing out as you guys leave today. Please take a prayer card. It says on there what to pray for each day this week. As the kids come through here, uh, I can think of no better thing that we can do than just to pray. Uh, Bible study leaders will, and VBS team will see you guys tonight at 545 in here for a uh, brief meeting. Hey, I want to take just a moment and talk about our women's ministry. Uh, coming up Sunday, Sunday Social, July 24th. It is creeping up fast and uh, five o'clock it's going to be um, all of your favorite ice creams it's all going to be here I mean you think Baskin Robbins has got it going on you wait till the 24th <laughs> I mean we're going to have like twice as many flavors right combinations combinations it's all about the combinations sprinkles makes it a different flavor but uh, hey ladies we encourage you to come and, and join us here uh, on the 24th at 5 p.m. for the Sunday Sunday social and uh, real briefly before uh, Rick talks about our men's ministry retreat, uh, coming up later in the month, at the end of the month, we are having a family fun day. Um, it's called a Super Saturated Sunday, and it's going to be a blast. And I'm going to tell you guys something. About three years ago, it was our last family fun day. Pastor Steve ambushed me. If you were here, you remember it. There were some paintballs involved, and uh, I just... I don't know. I think my gun jammed or something because no, it was a fair fight. He got you about just 17. Was a weakling. You he thought about, you you thought you could do it better. He got about 17 shots on my inner thighs that I had for weeks, <laughs> and um, I think my gun jammed. It must have because I don't I don't think he got hit one time. I don't know what was going on. I there. did not get hit one time. You were just a sorry shot. Maybe you were all. 
Maybe you were all freed up that morning. I don't know. But, Again. Well, there's going to be some water balloons, and so uh, I'm going to be gunning for you, sir. I'll be looking for you on the 31st. Uh, talk to us about our Minster Street coming up. All right. Talking about some exciting things going on. So uh, our men's retreat, we're going to do it this year. Uh, we've had to cancel it a couple of years for COVID, but September 16th, 17th. Uh, if there's guys, people here, we have a great time. Uh, that photograph where I think there's like 30 people there on that particular retreat, but it's a good time to get together, get to know uh, people that you may not have time to get to know here at church. Uh, that's what we usually get in, get out, but I assure you, you will have a good time. So men, if you're interested in going, women, if you're interested in getting your husband out of the house, push him on out. Uh, you can sign up on Realm. Uh, we have now a link on Realm where you can go in and easily sign up for it. Uh, and if you're not on Realm, I urge you to get hold of, uh, you can call Marilyn here. Uh, she's here uh, manning phones Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So she can help get you signed up on that. Uh, otherwise, uh, catch me, Danny, John, Lewis, uh, one of us. Uh, we, we'll get you pointed in the right direction. But uh, I promise you we'll have a good time. We're going to try to do canoeing this year and a whole lot of other stuff. So it's just a great time. And so I urge you to get out and uh, get, to, get to know everybody. Stand with me as we close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for today, God. Thank you for being that friend that will never forsake us or leave us, God. Lord, let that be encouragement to us that, God, you've called us to be a friend to other people that may not know your good news. Lord, let us go out into the mission field that you've uh, called us to and reflect your love and mercy and grace in everything that we do. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. And let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.